first look at PS5 gameplay. And Ghost of Tsushima. Hello and welcome to Triangle Square to PlayStation Podcast. I'm your host, Brent Beck, and alongside me, as always, is Mr. Saul Bridges, bringing you guys episode 162. 162. I am your host. Yes. As we always say. I don't know why I just did that again, but that's okay. I know why I did it for uh, for transparency's sake. I forgot to start our backup audio. So oh, okay. derailed me as I tried to go over and look and click it back in. Uh, but anyway... We are Triangle Square to PlayStation Podcast, and we're going to get this show going the way we always do. Uh, later on, we're going to be talking about a couple of uh, a big, big news week, really. I mean, yeah, I was a little surprised, and I'm wondering how much that's going to keep going, because it, it was quiet for so long that coming back this heavily... I think Summer Games Fest is that breath of fresh air we needed yeah, in terms of game updates. At least breath of beating you over the head with announcements. Not a bad way. Not, <laughs> yeah, keep Not it necessarily. Up. I mean, it could be that. Uh, but anyway, Saul... What have you been playing this week, uh, and has that changed at all from your very little of last week? I think it has from It has, mainly with just one game. Um, so I started back up Jedi Fallen Order again. For those that don't know, when I bought the game originally, right around Black Friday, I think, somewhere in that time era of times. Sounds uh, right. About a month out from release, right? I don't think so. When the game release? November? Yeah, so it was around November because I, I played it. Or I, th- or, I don't know. I'm 99 percent sure I played it while we were on break from Black Friday and Thanksgiving from work. It came out November 15th. So yeah, I think I got it a week later. Um, okay. So not quite a month, but about a week later. Um, had issues, crashed like three times. Uh, before, like right when I got to Zepho, erased my save file for whatever reason. Um, still weird. Still weird because it's not a common problem on with the game. It's not, but the th- <laughs> but like it's happened. It's just rare. Um, so I replayed now and I got back up to Zepho and I was playing today before we went and got lunch and I got to the end, end part of Zepho where you're in the ice caves. Yeah. And it got frustratingly difficult to navigate. Like even using the hollow map, it's like, you're supposed to get back to the ship. And I eventually like went through these ice caves that led me back to the wind, uh, temple thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I was just kind of like, I've been looking for this thing for like 30 minutes. And like, I've been going kind of this big circle. And I was kind of like, I, I sat back and I reflected on it. And in reality, I really wanted a Star Wars game, a, a true Star Wars game where this feels like that, but it feels more like Drake's Uncharted Fortune than anything else. And I feel like if I wanted to play a Drake's <laughs> Uncharted game, I would just go play that instead. So I was... I. The, the the story seems pretty cool. Everything else seems pretty cool, but it just doesn't feel right for a Star Wars game to me. Um, and it just makes me feel like, like if I want something in terms of traversing, uh, the flow of combat and stuff like that, that's better, I'll just go play Drake's Uncharted. This just feels like this could be any game in the world with a lightsaber, and you'll be fine. Like It feels like you added force powers and a lightsaber, and now it's a Star Wars game, when this could have been any other game in the world. You could easily just change it to make it another game. You could have added a gun instead. And you mean solely from a gameplay perspective? Yeah, it doesn't really make you feel like you're part of Star Wars, really. Like, And it could be that I'm so early on that all the abilities and stuff quite unlocked. But even then, the combat feels kind of odd. Like, I'm not I'm not one to like combat where you have a melee weapon, you're hitting square to use it. Mm-hmm. I'd much rather have, like, R1, like, the Souls games have kind of embedded in my mind. Um, and there's a couple of other parts of that game that's not bad. But it feels last generation with some of the puzzles. 
and it's actually kind of a breath of fresh air of the, the puzzle solving in the game. But once again, it reminded me of Uncharted. Yeah. So I was kind of like, I'll just go play Uncharted. Yeah, there's definitely a a little bit, and I I didn't mind that at all. I actually like the idea of taking something that's a little bit more uh, that you normally see done with guns specifically, yeah, and giving you the same traversal that you'd get from an experience like Uncharted or Tomb Raider, uh, but making it to where you have combat that's closer, not not exactly, but closer to like Sekiro. I did agree that when you have what feels like that much, and actually I don't think that it was inspired by Sekiro clearly because they came out too close to each other, but I think more that it was inspired by Souls with the intention of being like, well, we're going to make it feel kind of like a Souls game, but with more of of a focus on parrying, which just also happened to be what Sekiro was. Yeah. I think that both of those just happened naturally. Now, but with that, I was a little surprised that they did not choose to move that stuff up to the shoulder buttons but now that you're saying it i remember that being there and i got used to it but i'm trying to remember why um you didn't get far enough for me to know that i think that a lot of the force powers are in the shoulder buttons they are they're uh, specifically like they are uh for what i have it's r1 to use your for it's it, i don't it's not force pull but it's just force slow where you can slow down environmental yes. stuff yeah. and you can use that then you our get trigger is or's push yeah yeah so uh, that L once block, and I can't remember what L two does. Yeah, it's been a long time since I played it, but I mean, I'll say that I think in the gameplay department, I guess you're kind of right. I think the only thing I'd say is that you do get more Star Wars powers, and I do think as you keep going, it feels more like one. But I think that some people, including me, going into it, but I got used to it and was like okay with it. Um. I know that me and you both love the Force Unleashed, right? Absolutely. It and the thing about the Force Unleashed is good. that really the game plays pretty similar, but it doesn't go to the same extent that Force Unleashed did. Yeah. The Force Unleashed was like uh, a power fantasy yes. for Star Wars. It was, and this is way more scaled back and like, hey, this is not the, it fits the crazy the prodigy. Story. This is a normal person who just, this is a normal Jedi, yeah. which is a little weird for Star Wars because at least in terms of the thing that most people, and you of course were a fan of a lot of the extended universe. Yeah. So you've, you've seen some stories that are about more normal Jedi people. Right. And you've played things like Knights of the Old Republic, which again are a little more scaled back. But a lot of the main facing Star Wars stuff that you see is all about ultra powerful, uber crazy Jedi that just have never touched a lightsaber. But guess what, boy? Really, that's only worse, I think, in the new trilogy. I don't think that the old trilogy was that bad about that, but it was, you know, it, it, it was always, at least the through line has always been that it was always about exceptional people within the Jedi and general force powers. Whereas this is more like, he's kind of just a normal dude who even by the end of the game and the events that happen, like he's doing great things, but he's really just surviving. Yeah. If, if you're, whereas all the other stuff is kind of like, Oh, okay. The story certainly pretty cool for what it is. Um, yeah. I, I wasn't Uh-oh. a big fan of the way it does Metroidvania stuff of like, here's your first Island where you're going to find the Jedi training temple. There's definitely stuff there to go back to. Yes. I don't like that. I, I don't like, so far, the game structure is the exact same for each of the three planets I've been on. You get on the planet, you do something, you go back to your ship. Every single thing, every single planet. The first planet, Dathomir, and now Zeppos, or Zepho. All the same exact structure. If Dathomir, that, if you wait. 
Well, you're supposed to wait, but you can yeah. go there well, early. Well, yeah, it's all, but if you wait, it actually, you go there and you do everything you're supposed to do there in one playthrough. Yeah. Uh, so the whole game is not like that, but I do, because of the freedom they give, it gives the feeling of that, because you can go to pretty much any planet. Yeah. Pretty much. As you, um, as you unlock yeah. them or whatever. One of the things that you brought up that I do think was an issue with the game, and a lot of people, I, it wasn't just like some, oh, I don't want to play the game anymore, but it's part of the problem of when you get into 3D uh, Metroidvania titles mm-hmm. where you have a bunch of trailing paths and layers of of where those are. So like when you go into the hollow map, you can go to layer one, two, three, yeah. sub one, sub two. Um, the hollow map is not a perfect way. Like if, it's not, when, it's when actually, this moves forward to a next title, I really hope that the hollow map is one of the things they take a lot of time on because control had a little bit of similar issues, but it was, a, it was a little bit better uh, of, of that feeling of, well, we're going to try and do Metroidvania stuff where you're going to come back into areas and go back out, the but ho- it does falter and it kind of makes, and you start to learn them, it makes it really difficult to navigate. And then once you figure it out, then you're not, it's not really that the hollow map is helping you as much as it's just now a reference to something you really already know. Yeah. It, it, it does not help you. Like I cannot for the life of me find the way back to the ship to these ice caves. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, like literally I, I thought I found the way it was an elevator. It led me up and I'm like, okay, there's a, it's outside. I see it. I'm going to run outside. And then I'm on a perch. And then in front of me is that temple I just got out of. I'm like, what am I doing? How did I like go down an ice, like an ice slide Go swimming in this really weird looking water area, go through this mining tunnel, go all the way through these ice caves and end up at the spot that I left originally. It was, I looked at that, I'm like, this is so frustrating because it, it just feels like I'm doing the same thing I did on Dathomir and I did on the first planet where I'm just trying to find my way back to the ship. Mm-hmm. It just feels like it's repetitive. And I don't, I cannot imagine me playing that game ever going back to those planets and unlocking that other stuff. That's why I just like, I'm just done with it. I'm just, yeah. I'm, it's, to me, I don't think that every every beginning planet should do that. That that runs you uh, repetition way too much early on. I don't think that if you're going to have a game that has you go back and stuff like that, don't make it as apparent as they are. Like there, there's a there's a little thing. Um, uh, the very first time you see it on the Jedi training planet, you're like, oh, I wonder what's over there. Like it's po- it's pointing you in that direction. Like you can come back here, but then there's so so many. So, like at least 10 things between that instance and the ending of Zepho where you can see like, Oh, I need this. I need the scomp link, which I finally got, or I need the force pull ability. Cause I, I need to get over there. I, it's like, there's so many things. I'm like, I'm not going to keep track of all this to come back to this planet and go through and looking around. So here's the worst thing about it. Oh, and no. technically it's a good thing for your thing is that, but you don't know that. And the, the, the game technically does have the problem of not giving you enough reason as much as I like that all that exists, I'd say 75% of those things you can go back to aren't really worth it. All you're doing is going back to get, you can get a couple of the little things that give you like a, the points to go through your abilities. Those exist, but a lot of it's just, oh, you found this chest now, which finally gives you a different poncho to wear or a oh. different ship to use. I like that it's there from a design decision of what it could be, but I think the problem is that they're giving you this thing of, oh, well, come back here and do this. And again, not all. But the overwhelming majority, I'd say, is just you came back just to get something more to kind of give you more to play in the game. And like I actually enjoyed the combat. Definitely late game when you have all the powers that you want and you can kind of do things. Um, and you get really good at it. And, of course, when you're playing on the harder difficulty, I think the game is more fun on the harder difficulty. That's a, I'm on Jedi Master. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I'm with you. But that is definitely one of the things that, again, 
the game was like when I beat it, I was like, that was really good because it's been so long since I've just straight enjoyed a Star, a Star Wars game uh, that I was like, I, I like that. And I'm being more forgiving to the game's failures because of that. Yeah. Uh, and because I think you had that little bit of a, we're not going to get single-player Star Wars games because EA kept canceling every single one of them. But since we finally got that one, now my thing is like, I can clearly look back and be like, that game is not perfect. And there's a lot of issues with it. But it was still a good enough experience for me personally to be okay with. But it is it gives you that, I'm looking for the sequel to fix a lot of this. So you know the how Ghost has the wind that guides you? It'd yes. be cool if BB... BD1, mm-hmm. almost like BB8, yeah, BD1, BD1 can can shine a light in the direction you're supposed to go. Yeah, that'd be because cool. Because I'm telling you, like the navigation of that game is awful. And it's so open-ended and so vast, uh-huh. it's, that's a very bad thing. You know what I liken it to? And, and this is actually the guiding wind thing that we'll get into later, but uh, it, it reminds me of how bad, and, and I love this game, but it reminds me of how bad Dead Space would be to traverse if you didn't have the guiding thing where you could put your hand down and see the line yeah. that you're supposed to follow. That was actually a really cool thing for back in the day. I, I loved it. And that's why seeing the guiding wind, I'm like, it's a slightly more... Uh, Immersive. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, well, and I, it, I think that Dead Space has actually made sense. You have this big crazy suit on. Why would it not be able to tell you where to go? I guess Realistically. Uh, but I think it's one, it's a way that feels a little more seamless where it's like, okay, it happens without there being necessarily a, a really obvious visual cue. It's like, you know, if you hit the button, it blows the wind. But otherwise, if you were just watching someone play, you wouldn't be like, oh, that's clearly telling them where to go. Yeah. So, but yeah, that is a, a thing again, that that game could really use, excuse me, um, yeah, I mean, it sucks that you didn't end up liking it mainly because of the problem. Again, it's how I feel about you and, and Anthem, which we're going to talk about a little bit here. But uh, I feel bad that you bought it, and it just exists. It, it happens to me Division too. Two but you well. bought a you bought a game, and I'm actually very similar with the Division Two. Yeah, it's like I bought it for sixty dollars, and I always like I'm going to try. I'm going to try. To be fair, I've given both Anthem and this game a fair shot now. Yeah, and that's all I'll say. I'll never I'll never crap all over a game without giving it a fair shot. Yeah. Hence why um, there's a few games coming out that I'm like, eh, but I'm still going to give a shot. Yeah, or I at mean, least find out. If to your w- credit, you played Final Fantasy VII Remake. There were situations around it. Yeah. You were never saying you weren't going to play it. But originally, yeah, I just said your it was plan was. I just said yeah. I hated it the way I was going to do it, and I'm not going to get it on launch. Well, then Last of Us got delayed, and I'm like, now there's nothing to play. I might as well get it on launch. Yeah, sure. Uh, what have you been playing? I have had a week very similar to last where I just didn't play anything no matter what. I just, I don't know what, I don't know how it ends up happening, but I was just not playing anything, not really having too much of a drive to play stuff. Just not worrying about it. I played about maybe 20 more minutes of world of final fantasy and it's okay. I'm Mm -hmm. not far enough to give it like a real, I I want to play it more, but I just don't know when that's going to happen. Um, but last night I decided, okay, it's been almost a month since I've turned my PlayStation on, uh, my PS4, be it. Uh, and I've been you know, playing Vita, but I was like, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to look through the sales. There's a bunch of sales going on right now. And my goal was to get back into gaming. I think I mentioned it on one of the last episodes that I think the way I may approach trying to get back into playing games and like hitting a stride is to go and check out some smaller games that I had not played, some of which are still relatively new and some of which are even older. Mm-hmm. Kind of do that. So when I was looking at the sale yesterday for the hidden gems or whatever, I was like, okay, four ninety nine for uh, the little nightmares. Sweet, I'll get it. I was like, I'll try that out. And then I saw Gris, which looked really great and uh, reminds me of. And I wish it was a little more. Uh, actually, it could be. It, it doesn't look combat oriented, which is fine. It doesn't need to be. But 
when I was watching the trailer again, I was like, man, this just makes me think of uh, Thunder Lotus and their games. And specifically that one, because of the more 2D art style, it made me think of Sundered. Yeah. And uh, I'm excited to play it, but I kind of wish... I almost was thinking about going back and playing Sundered, because I love that game, and I was debating getting the Platinum back then. But right now, I'm just trying to play uh, small stuff. Saul, can you do me a huge favor? Uh-oh. Podcast Kitty is in here. and I'm oh, trying to get out. If you can go let her out yeah. that way... Yeah, she's trying to get out. <laughs> We're not kicking her out. Hey, Tabby. You know, you want to show everybody Podcast Cat for a second? All right. If you haven't seen Podcast Cat in a while, here she is. Miss Tabby. Tabitha Ann Cat, as my wife named her 13 years ago, 12 years ago. Nice little munchkin old cat. She's a good cat. Um Anyway, yeah, that's my plan. So actually, I'll, I'll extend out to our listener base. Uh, if anybody has some smaller titles that you've not heard me talk about uh, that you liked, please shoot them my way. I mean, regardless of what it is, I'd like to take a look at it and decide whether or not I'm going to be into it. So my plan of attack right now, though, is to play Little Nightmares, which is a little bit more of a creepy, I'm not going to say horror-oriented, but it's definitely a little creepier. Uh, so I'm going to play that. And then I'm going to play Gris, which looks like a departure from that. And then I'm going to go back, because they're both pretty short games. Then I'm going to go back and start up The Evil Within, since they added The Evil Within 2 to PS Now. The Evil it's Within crazy. 1 is also on PS Now. So. It's crazy you're starting that up. And we, I was literally going through PlayStation Store for sales. And I'm like, oh, I might as well try Evil Within 1 again. I thought you saw the conversation in Discord last night. So oh, no. I didn't know for sure. I haven't, but, I haven't been in Discord. This What the heck is this? What's new? Is that a Discord thing? I don't know. Okay. That's, I don't know if that's a Windows thing or a Discord thing. But uh, no, I didn't get a chance to be in Discord much um, yesterday or Friday, really. Friday was surprisingly kind of not busy at work, but it was one of those kind of weird things like where everything was a large like t- uh, issue to tackle and not just like small things, like a bunch of small things are just one large issue. Mm-hmm. So then you tackle it and then all of a sudden another large issue. Yeah. No, I feel. Um, and yeah, I didn't. I wasn't on Discord much yesterday until I finally got home. I was rebuilding the. I was putting the heads and stuff on that truck during a tornado warning. I was like, "Listen, we hard. We so seldom get tornadoes in our area. Really, I've never seen one or know anybody who's been affected. I don't think by we've one. ever had one come through our town. Yeah, I know we had uh, the, like like long like Longview." Uh, Redwater, Red surrounding area, Falk, yeah. all that stuff. Uh, yeah. Though to be fair, uh, out past Wamba, uh, one of the somebody we know. Their neighbor had a tornado hit their house, and part of their roof flew into somebody their house. we know. Somebody I know. Oh, okay. It was Kyrie's teacher. Oh, okay. From school, but anyway, so it's one of those things. But I was out doing that, and it was raining and storming. But I was undercover on like a little metal shed thing, and just whatever. I wasn't worried about it. I'll tell you, it's, it it becomes a real big thing. Like uh, like if you see hail, that's like a big warning sign. So. Oh yeah. I mean, sure. There was. I was looking the whole time. Like, well, I'll figure this out. But yeah, that spent most of my day yesterday doing that. And so when I got home, I was tired. But I still was like, I said I'm going to sit down today and I'm going to figure out what I'm playing next. And then after it took forever to download because my internet's been being terrible lately. And it's I don't not. Know it's why. not your internet. That's Sony. Sony's- no, 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 no. Netflix has been having problems. Running oh. it. It's been my internet. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. I was uh, like, Sony is doing a thing like where they're limiting download speeds. Oh, I know, but that hasn't affected me until this past week, even if it was that. But I've been having it on everything. So it's Hannah. So it's just, uh, I want to call our people and be like, hey, I'm not getting the speed I pay for. What's going on here? Uh, but yeah, I last night after it finally got done downloading, it was like almost 12 o'clock, and I was like, I'm still going to play. So I only played 40 minutes of Little Nightmares. But so far, I enjoy it. Um, Good. It does a thing. 
when I was watching people like play it like really really short burst and not really paying massive attention, I always thought it was a completely 2D game, but it's like a 2.5D game but that you still can actually move in and out, which is weird. Hmm. Cuz it's like most of the camera is 100% sideways, but on the right analog stick you can still use it to kind of slightly pan the camera's angle so that you can see different things and you can still walk toward the screen and away from the screen and at angles. So there is still a 3D sense of movement, but the camera just happens to be at the side. Okay. So, so far I'm, I'm liking it. It does a thing that I personally think fits the, the tone and style of the game a lot, which is unless you spend too long in an area, it doesn't tell you how to play it. Like you just start and it's like, play around a little bit. See what you figure out. I like those kind of games. Uh, there's a thing like you come up to a, a, a thing and I figured out by hitting buttons, of course, and just walking that you could pull out a lighter. I'm like, okay. And I saw a thing that looked like a, th- like a little shrine that you'd light. And I was like, okay, I walked up to it and I was like, well, O starts the lighter. So I'm assuming if I get close to something with the lighter and hit O, that can interact with it, it'll light it. So it did. I was like, okay, cool. It doesn't tell you what you're doing there. It doesn't well, say what they are. You, you see a little eye in the corner. You're like, okay, is this like an auto save spot? But it's not. To, uh, <laughs> to Jedi Fallen Order's credit, like that's what I liked about the puzzles. It didn't stop the game to explain how that puzzle works. Yes. I like the sphere, uh, the sphere puzzle in Zepho. Yeah. It's just like, okay, I, I kind of just got to mess around until I solved the puzzle. Yeah. Um, which is way more fun. Yeah. There's something about a game stopping pace and being like, like hey, hey, we're going to explain the mechanics of this puzzle. We're not going to give you the answer, yeah. but we're going to explain the mechanics. Some, something that game that that game does really well, even though it you can tell it does it too much, is what I was saying about hidden things. It's like all the things you can use force powers on that you don't have are red. So when you go back and they're blue, you're like, I can use my force power on this now. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of a cool idea. Yeah, I like that setup though. So this game, I, I really enjoyed that. Just seeing what your hands do. Like I came up to it, something that was clearly a door. Like it looks like I could lift that, but how would I do it? Walk up to it and started hitting the buttons and hit a button that saw, I saw my arm go out and I was like, okay, my arm's going out. I'm assuming it means I can grab stuff with it. Went up to the door, grabbed it. I was like, okay, pulled it back. It's just, it's fun to kind of play a game in that way where, like you said, it's not beating you over the head with explaining its mechanics. They all exist and half of the fun is just finding out how you can manipulate the mechanics to get you where you're going. Some of that comes too in a, a really fun way, and this is early, so it's not really ruining anything. But like subverting what you ex- like, building a indirectly building what you expect from a mechanic, and then changing it. So you're like, ah, oh, okay, like it's still within the realm of you should have thought about that, but it's kind of like. Don't get too comfortable because we're, we're going to change the way that the mechanics are used and the way that we implement them to change up your expectation. There's a part where you're coming up and you see boards and every other time you've done it, you jump and you hold R2 to hang onto the edge and you can kind of climb with it like ladders and stuff. But in this case, you can't go anywhere because it stops and you're like, okay, so what is it? The bottom board, if you just go up to it and hold R2, you can grab it and you can pull it back and it pops the board off and you can go underneath it. Oh, And it's like, otherwise, you know, it just... You get stuck in an area, but it's not like, hey, figure it out. It's yeah. kind of just like giving you time, and eventually it'll remind you of not how to do it. It won't do that thing where it's like, try moving the thing, which I hate when games do that. When you're stuck for like not even three minutes, it's like, have you tried pulling the board? Yeah. It's like, you just told me what to do. Instead, you could be like what this game does, uh, where there was a part where you had to open a door, and the, again, to the game's credit, it doesn't t- tell you how to play it from the get-go. You had to open a door, but there was a like a, a little labyrinth path you had to take around in the dark. But when you open the door, it shines light so you can see everything. But 
after you let go, the crank starts to turn back and the door's closing. Well, I kept trying to run and I'd get to the door, but it always closed like right before I can get through it. And the game just said, press square to sprint. Like, ah, oh, you're not telling me I have to sprint through the door. You're just, rem- you're just telling me what I'm hey, clearly. Idiot, don't forget about the sprints here. Yeah. So you could do that. When I didn't even know how to sprint to that point. Yeah. Like I'd never done it. Huh. So yeah, I just, I appreciate it. It's really good. I don't think it's too long. So I think that's a good plan of attack is that then Gris and then something a little larger. Hopefully I can get through with the evil within or decide I don't want to play it. How long is evil within? I wonder. Um, in the Discord, and if anybody else has any good ones, but uh, I think Sean probably hooked us up. He said the first half of that game is the rough half, and then the second half gets really good. Uh, it's 40 hours long. 40 hours? 36 and a half hours. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, uh, he's he, oh, hold he on. put a, a lore That's a completionist thing. It's 16 hours. Okay. He said the second half of the game gets really good, but what, if we don't get into it, he put a lore description so that I can watch that and then hop into the Evil Within 2. So that's my plan of attack. I don't know if I could ever do that with a game. What, not play the first? Not Yeah, that's why that was so annoying about Assassin's Creed was they were like, well, start with Syndicate. I'm like, but am I going to understand the overarching story? You will on with that because it removes it from all the other stuff. Okay. Like the modern day story is so removed from Desmond now that it doesn't, they, that doesn't matter. Okay. Or you already know all the stuff you really need to know, which is just that the Animus is a thing that exists. And that Abstergo is a company. Well, I figured they'd do more with that than that. <laughs> I mean, they, they do, but within those games themselves. That's all that's pretty much ever brought up. Yeah. Or that that's a reference. Okay. Kind of. I mean, there is more to it, but the I think, again, I'm not the huge Assassin's Creed fan, but from what I know, a lot of the, the modern-day story in Assassin's Creed was really handled to a big degree in the Desmond arc. So, yeah. I don't think you got to worry about it. Yeah. Uh, too bad that you don't have a disk drive that works because right now GameStop ha- GameStop has all the PS4 versions of. Uh, I'm pretty sure no, it's not. It's just the four that were four. Anyway, four of the games for twenty five dollars that are normally like if you buy them they're like fifty four dollars. Hmm. So, but doesn't matter for you. You don't have a disk drive that works. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, we're gonna go ahead and hop into the community's take, which, if you remember last week, was actually a user submitted one, which I thought was a lot of fun. So, if you guys ever have an idea for community's take question, um, throw them over, and we'll see if we're gonna go about using them. Uh, but it came from Mr. Josh Drago over on our Facebook, and I'm gonna start with his answer just because I think it's pretty fitting. The question he posed was: Should people be able to heavily judge a game when they've not played it? Why or why not? His response was, I do judge on certain games, like, for instance, FIFA games, stupid Naruto games, cell phone games, some indie games, and especially Boring Lands. When I saw the trailer for Boring Lands, I was like, no thanks, looks boring. I have judged on certain genres like RPGs, stealth games, shooter games, and racing games because I thought they were lame and boring. But as I've gotten older, I like them all except racing games. It still looks boring. Another that I judged was Mass Effect 2. Never watched the gameplay, and I heard that it was really good, so I bought it and fell in love with it ever since. You guys shouldn't judge Turkey Spaghetti since you haven't. I knew that was going to Since you all haven't now. tried it. I could clarify right now. I have had Turkey Spaghetti, and, it, and I did not enjoy it. And I've had it again since, and I still didn't enjoy it. I don't just hate it, but it's like if I can make real turkey right there, or if I can make real spaghetti right here, I, this is the, to the level I don't care for Turkey Spaghetti. If I can make tur- if I can make spaghetti that just had sauce and no meat, I would prefer that. 
to turkey spaghetti. Wow, that's, that sounds like some fighting words. Uh, anyway, he says, I used to get mad when people talk bad about a certain game, but I got over it because I can just ignore them and still enjoy the game, which I think is a really important thing to say there. Yeah. Is that, and the next one I'm going to talk about is, is actually touches into this, but he says, if there was a demo for the games, I would try it out. Also, I'd like to add, I have never played Hannah Montana the game, and I hope they would make a remastered version. Me too. it's so 10 out of 10. Me too. It's a yes for my answer. People like to judge other people even though we shouldn't since we don't know the person. But when it's about video games, it's okay to judge since they're not people. Saul, you're welcome for the turkey spaghetti recipe. He did send me a turkey spaghetti recipe and I did thank him for that. So yes. You need to... uh, Okay, I'll do this. I've never bought ground turkey. Oh, I I use ground turkey for uh, tacos. We make it home and it's good. Turkey tacos? hmm? So wait, hold on. Okay, I'm confused. Why is it that you can't throw... You can have ground turkey tacos, but you can't just throw ground turkey and spaghetti and be okay. Uh, just the way that it affects everything around it. I think a big reason, if I had to say, I think my reason that worked, and I was really apprehensive about the, doing it, uh, but they were out of normal hamburger meat whenever the pandemic stuff started. So they had turkey meat that already had taco seasoning in it. And we were like, well, we use our meat most of the time to make tacos. You can make some some, some Mexican turkey, um, spag- turkey spaghetti that way. So anyway, I think the big thing there is that when you cook ground beef, for tacos, the main thing that you're really tasting is the taco seasoning that you're putting on it. So the turkey really is the same thing. All you're tasting is a turkey. I mean, it's a little different of a texture, but since there's so many other things that go into a burrito or a taco, just you make don't it, really notice. Make tu- like the problem with spaghetti. spaghetti. Yeah, I mean, make taco turkey spaghetti. Yeah, that does not actually. Sound, actually, we're on something here. Good. Hold on. <laughs> so you use tortilla chips. Then that's not spaghetti. <laughs> Well, hold on. You got noodles in there. I'm just trying to figure out how to incorporate them. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so through all this discussion, um, well, I'm on Discord. Look, before we get – there's one thing that Josh said that I think ties into his real quick that I'd want to say. But also, I was going to say, for Josh's sake, we should make that turkey spaghetti recipe and have me try the specific one he sent. And I will do that. We could do that. Uh, anyway, to just cap in on that one, and then I'll let you go through uh, the one that's over on uh, Discord. But Josh, uh, shoot. One of our longtime friends and listeners, he says, whether we like it or not, humans by default will judge things. All it takes is a picture or a video and you will be judging a game immediately. Generally speaking, I feel like your bias can change by reading reviews or finding YouTube clips of gameplay. I am of the belief that you should give everything a chance, though, before going around and trashing a game for no reason. I saw a lot of people that were talking crap about Death Stranding and then found out that they never played the game at all, meaning they missed out on everything about the game that made it a wonderful experience and not just a UPS simulator. Yeah, like it it gets kind of weird with that kind of stuff there is you can judge a game by knowing the plot. That's fine. You can judge a game by knowing the scenery, the graphics and that stuff. That's fine, too. But there are certain caveats to that where you could judge a game like Death Stranding and say, like, that's bad. All you're doing is this. But then you don't realize that if you just watch a Let's Play of it, you're missing out on the main. Not only are you missing out on the experience of playing the game, which some people are okay with. They're there to play the story. But there's something special in the way that you traverse in that game that's done well enough that when you're playing, it keeps you um, very much at, at attention. Yeah. And a, a let's play won't convey that well, um, or gameplay won't convey that well. So there are little caveats throughout, like most of it. But I, I'll go with my favorite one. Uh, SJD, one of our good buddies and patrons over there in Discord, says 
His answer is yes. Simply because we live in a day and age where so much information is out there about each game, be it extensive interviews, previews, or whatever, as long as they do their due diligence in getting informed, there's enough info for that person to earn a respectable opinion. And that's true. Yeah. As long as you are talking to someone who has consumed enough about the game to have formed an opinion on it, that's fine. You like That's their opinion. You're not going to falter that opinion because it's theirs. You may be able to reason with that opinion and say, well, this, you know, this is why, this is why. And they may change their opinion, sure. But you can still have that opinion. Um, you can have an opinion about anything. It may There is no such thing as an incorrect opinion. It may be ill-informed. And that is a, a thing that happens quite, you know, across the board. Um, everything, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that this... Uh, this whole entire community's take by Josh is, is formed around the whole stuff going around Last of Us 2. Yeah, I would and imagine I, as well. And I'll say from what I know, because I got leaked, unfortunately, that what I know of the leaks, I am disappointed with the way the story's going. Um, there's, there's very specific things that happen in the game that I'm not going to be even around. Uh, uh, I'm not even going to hint at or anything, but there's just very specific things that happen in the game that I am not a fan of. Um that I think is not great storytelling that I think that are not cool story decisions, but that's my opinion. Now I, it has, it, it has faltered me enough that I may not get this game day one. I may wait for reviews and see, you know, did I like, should I have just trusted a naughty dog and, and, and heard that or, uh, and or not heard, but trusted in them to know that they would tell that story. I may not agree with that being the best story in the world, but if they told it in a way that is captivating, then bada bing, bada boom, you have a good, you have not a good story, but you have a more coherent story. I may still not like the story, but it may be told in a better way. But being, okay, I think the best way to word it is like, it could be something that may not be the best, but it's still told in an enjoyable way or done in an enjoyable way. Done in a way where you don't hate the experience. I don't know if enjoyable would be a word for, for this specific instance. Again, I would say. And we're having to talk from the fact of half of us know. Well, no, I'm just talking about. We also talked about the other day. Neil said that we don't use fun around here, so I think yes. going into that enjoyable yeah. and fun, I think that it would, it would make sense in the world or whatever if they told it in a way that makes sense. Like that, I guess that kind of that kind of way there. So maybe the, the word would be for an experience that would resonate with you. Yeah, yeah, and more and, and than, than necessarily that you'd enjoy. Since yeah, that we don't use fun to describe our game. Well, something I've been trying to do more lately is I'm trying not to put all my faith in these companies because at the end of the day, they are just that—they're companies. Mm-hmm. They're out to get my money. So if they use a name like Kojima, then they know that I like Kojima. I'm just going to buy a Kojima game, not knowing what it is. That's why I was getting so irritated, Death Stranding. That where's the release date at? Where's the gameplay? All this stuff. And the same goes for like Elden Ring. I'm frustrated with Miyazaki and From Software. I don't know what that game's about. I don't know anything about it. I'm not just going to buy that game because it's Miyazaki and From Software. I'm excited for it. I want to hear more of it, but that doesn't mean it's a day one purchase for me. If I, mm-hmm. if all they release is what they have, I'm not buying that game day one. Yeah, well, of course. Yeah. And I think that's one of the weird things about this too is that we hear about stuff so much earlier than typically than other mediums, partially because of how long it takes to make video games these days, that if they choose to when a lot of companies do or if it gets leaked outside of their hands and the announcement gets done you know about a game or you see little bits of that are very hard to put in context with everything else so early that you're not really i don't of course in an ideal world i'm sure the company wants it to be that you're uh that with that that you're already like day one purchase but i think for the vast majority of people it really comes down to you, you you're a 
choice as to whether you are interested in buying it day one or not really almost doesn't matter until the game has a date and an or is, is upcoming and actually out because that opinion is going to constantly change as they show more, more and more, more. Yeah. or don't show more and more, which is rare. But you know what I mean? That can change. And like we talked about with Death Stranding, I think Death Stranding, the way it was handled, would have been really well done if they didn't announce it three years prior. Well, if all the same things happened, but in the six-month period, I think everybody would have been like, that was cool. Well, it was mysterious, and we didn't know what it was, but not that we didn't know what it was for three and a half years. And that's what I've been saying that I hope changes with this next generation is – I'm, I am absolutely sick and tired of Sony and Microsoft, but more so Sony, announcing a game and then us finally playing it three, four, five years, sometimes six years later. Yeah. I'm sick of that. I Nintendo just shadow dropped a Paper Mario game that's coming out in two months. Yeah. Something, a major requested franchise that people have been wanting back. And that that is one of the most heavily requested things mm -hmm. that I've seen other than Metroid is a Paper Mario game. They dropped a trailer for it within a, an, a release date within two months. That's what I like so much about, what was it, uh, E3 2015 with Bethesda. You're going to play Fallout 4 in November. That game was crap, but hey, I knew I was going to play it in November. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's just it's one of those things I'm getting sick of. Um, Apparently, and this would be something if you're interested on that side of the Nintendo thing, I didn't look into it, and I'm not saying that Corey's lying, so I have no reason to believe he is. Uh, apparently, that has something to do with the way that Nintendo chooses to do things. You pitch a game to them, and they essentially say yes, but then they don't say anything about the game until it's 75% done, and then they say yay or nay, it's going to happen or it's not. And that's why they're able to be like, hey, you can play this game in three to six I months. I actually saw him say that in Discord, and that's actually not a bad idea. It, it, yeah, it's, it it's leads a, to some problems of people putting a ton of work into something that they weren't given as much guidance as they may have needed yeah. on just to be told well you've made 75% of a game but we're not going to let it go which people think is what happened with Metroid they announced it probably a little too early but then what ended up happening too is that the game was probably really far done 75% through they saw it and they are like this is not what we had in mind. This is not what people are going to want from a Metroid Prime 4. We need to scrap this and restart development. And that very well, well may be what happened. But I don't want to get too much off on a tangent yeah. on that. But I want to, I'm going to personally look some of that up myself. Because I find that, that take interesting. And there's pros and cons with both takes. The only flaw I would see with that system, or even not even that system, but that the way that, that was told to us is... Would they have announced Metroid if they didn't themselves look into it beforehand? I don't know because that's a, that's the problem. He, he said he thinks that some games and he, he thinks they're doubling down into this because of Metroid Prime not coming out yet. And okay. they announced so long ago that he thinks that that's why they're even leaning heavier into it, not saying a well, word about a game. But he did mention that Metroid Prime uh, and like because another game I brought up as a clear example of them not doing that is like them teasing Breath of the Wild too. But the thing about Breath of the Wild, even the first Breath of the Wild was shown way too early. Um, yeah, and still well, ended up coming out with that. I think problems. that was intended to be a, a, only a Wii U game. Oh, it and was. Then, and then console development started for Switch, and they're like, "Well, we got to make Breath of the Wild fit on this now." Well, yeah, but even then, it just became because the game still came out on Wii U. The game just took longer than they anticipated. Yeah, and it's the same thing that's probably happened a number of times at Sony. They sometimes thought a game was going to come out, and then it needed another year. They're like, "Crap, we've already announced it." But yeah, it can clearly happen. But going back to the topic at hand a little bit, I mean, that was not a useless conversation. You're right. A lot yeah. of this stuff comes in here, affects the way that you see these things. And it is hard to know some information for years without finding a way to judge it. I think the best way to word this, going back into what uh, um, Josh Shoup said over here, 
is that whether we like it or not, we're going to judge. So yeah. I think it's about knowing that you're going to judge something, but being able to reserve what that judgment actually affects until later when you can do it. Because I think some people will judge and then immediately use that judgment to fuel really crazy fires of where you see people saying really ridiculous, strong worded feeling things over something that they know like one three thousandth of and it's like you got to calm down man yeah you can you can have a judgment but it's what you do with that judgment you can have a judgment and keep it inside and reserve and know hey that's my current judgment but that's that's subject to change i can't keep myself from judging something because that's just who we are as humans we're inquisitive we see something we have questions that come from that but to kind of go on the opposite side of what uh sjd swanland one of our patrons uh, over on discord said that he was reading about with the yes because we have so much information which i definitely agree with i think that there's at least a way to have a respectable opinion it doesn't mean your opinion is going to be fully judged off of something until you do play it but this is why i even bring this up because one particular piece of his is really good so hayden evans over on facebook says no I'll die on this hill. Video games are an interactive piece of media and you engage with it differently than you do a book, film, song, or painting. I'll never, I'll never understand why people think they can speak with authority about an interactive piece of art they haven't interacted with. I will hear, hear arguments about story, character, narrative, themes if they've watched a full playthrough, but as an overall package, no. If you didn't play it, you have zero experience of how the game plays. And I think that that is an important part of most of what Swanland said is is accurate. And I really think it still does apply to video games. But the one magic piece that you can never account for, and you brought it up with Death, Death Stranding, Stranding, is, the game is that you don't know. There's some games that just are really fun or engaging or it's hard, to, but they, it's an experience that works, but you never know it by just seeing the game played because yeah. there is that aspect of what you can do. And then you have the additional aspect of that of like, sometimes they show games and they don't even show everything you can do in the game or they show a really poor version of it. Could you imagine? And actually this is something that happened. They did a good job of showing horizon zero dawn, but as all games should be days gone, had this as well. You can see the game being played, but you're seeing typically, because they don't want to spoil things, you're seeing one of the most simplistic versions of playing it. It's like, oh, well, this is what you can do. But as you get further in the game, you start realizing, well, you have this ability and this ability, and you can set up traps, and you can do really crazy things. Some of the times it's that you see somebody do something, and you're watching them play it the way they play it, and it's not the same way you would play it. And the way you would play it would actually be more engaging to you because you choose to be more creative with your implementations. Whereas I've watched certain people and I don't watch people play games very often because I don't like it, but I've watched people play games that I've really enjoyed because of how unique and crazy the options to do stuff are. And they're just doing the most vanilla plain Jane thing to get if, through it. If you watch somebody play breath of the wild, you're either going to watch them play it like a normal Zelda game or, or some kind of, uh, Jojo's bizarre adventure. Yes. <laughs> that, that game, that metal gear solid five, I think are two games that you could watch a playthrough 100% on and then watch somebody else play it, and it'd be 100% different. Another big game I think falls in that category uh, is the Just Cause series. If you take that game and try and play it as a normal, serious game... You're not going to get far. If you just try to play it like, I'm going to shoot this person, then yeah, it's not going to be very fun. You're going to get tired of it quickly. All the fun that I've ever had in the... And I'm not a huge fan of Just Cause, partially because I just think they're too much money for the little bit of fun I can have out of them, but the Just Cause 2 demo that we've played for like probably 20 hours between my house and Big Seth's house uh, when we were doing it is stuff like 
I'm going to grapple hook to a propane can, shoot the propane can, grapple hook to another propane can, shoot it, and then when the one starts flying off, I'm going to grapple back to it and create like a little grapple triangle, and it's going to fly me across the map. The fun is in how you choose to play the game. If you play it the most base way, eh, you know. That's the thing about just cause. I always feel like the way they show it is always like they're trying to be a cool action movie, but I'm like, that's not even what people play the game for 90% of the time. Yeah, and I will say, like, I do I do tend to disagree a little bit with what he's saying just mm-hmm. because I've had conversations with people who have not played certain games, and I've had them about stories, and... They know what they're talking about. They can fully form an opinion about the story itself and in the, in, inside the uh, conversation that we are having with it. And it, they do it perfectly fine. Um, and he actually does bring that out. He I, says, you know, you can have an argument yeah. about story characters, narrative themes and all that. But the one magic element that creates the real package of what a video game is, is the gameplay, which you can't, you can't know for absolute sure without actually putting it in your hands, but it's quite an investment to do it. Well, that's kind of the problem with the games, o- the right? Only, well, I will say the only part of that that is negative is that's really easy to say when somebody's speaking negatively about a game. Mm-hmm. It's impossible to say when somebody's speaking positively. You can't say like, oh yeah, the gameplay for that game looks super fun. All this is super intricate. All this is super detailed. Have you played the game? No. Well, you're not going to bring no, that kind of... No, and I'd, I'd say the argument applies both ways. It does, yeah. but I'm saying it's harder to do so in more of a positive manner. Yeah. It's You see definitely more of that when somebody's being negative about something. Yeah, for sure. Um, a good example I've had in the past, as a matter of fact, like last weekend, uh, me and Big Seth were talking about Final Fantasy VII Remake. He doesn't have a PlayStation 4, mm-hmm. so he watched the entire game on YouTube. He watched somebody play it all the way through, no commentary, no nothing, and we were having a solid discussion about where the story's going, theories about the game, everything within the game there's a speaking of which i got a cool video to show you after this um everything never at once if he ever told me he did not play that game that i realized he would not have played that game yeah yeah you're weird because that's again that's that actually goes back to some of what he's saying which is that when you remove the one element that is the interactive piece outside of stories that are a little different because they have such wildly different uh, chances of happening like it's hard to have a straight conversation with somebody about like a telltale games whether they've played it or not because the story options are or so like crazy Detroit. different yeah. that you could be like he could have watched somebody play that or he could have just played it and i wouldn't even know because i did something different than him or maybe i did the same but maybe he didn't even do it those games are a little bit of a of a outlier to this i still think that that's actually part of their their fun is like you can look at detroit and be like i don't really care for that but the thing about detroit is like even without you playing it I guess technically you could approach something that's really close to an exact opinion as somebody who played it if you just watch every particular outcome. Yeah. Because that type of game is doing something a little different. I mean, there is something in you of like when you're getting to choose the decision, it does make you, it resonates with you in a different way of watching someone else choose a decision. Yeah. Um, And I'll say like if somebody, if me and somebody are talking about like Nier Automata. Yes. That's, that's a game that the story is amazing in. You, you are missing 50% of that, though. If you're not by playing By not playing it. it. Yeah. Uh, so, but something like Final Fantasy that, VII, to me, is like, I like the combat in that game. It's yeah. actually the probably the most well-done Square Enix combat. But to talk to this, like a story about that, or like, say, Persona, mm-hmm. because per, like the kind of the combat in that, specifically combat, not talking about everything else in the game. But something like that is also kind of interesting to talk about, too, because it varies from game to game to game. Like yeah. what you're talking about with Walking Dead, same you can say for Detroit. Yeah, sure. Uh, but all I was going to say on that is... It, it removes like like it, it speaks a lot to what you're saying. 
games when you watch them and have a discussion only about the thing. And the, the crazy thing is, is you can discuss gameplay and stuff all day long. But if somebody watches enough gameplay, they'd be able to fool you into thinking they did it. Because what's weird about gaming is when you remove that element, it's not really any different than a book or a movie or a comic or whatever. It's like, it's just a piece of media that you can see if you choose to watch it in the right way. Well, it's just essentially you watching a movie that is technically a video game, but playing it is the one thing that differentiates the way that you feel over everyone else a lot of the time that is exclusive to the game medium. I think any, you know what I mean. I think that, the interactive element could it. spend enough time to watch a video. Say we'll just uh, some Astral Chain. I'm, I'm trying to think of something fast paced. Yeah, somebody can watch enough videos on the combat of Astral Chain and say. Uh, that that video that combat looks clunky to me. Yeah, and it could very well be clunky for them. It's just they're, yeah. they're forming their opinion on what they saw, uh, and but you then know, the crazy thing is they could play it and be like, and oh, it looks clunky, different. but yeah. it, it's not. It yeah. could like uh, and the same thing like so I could look at near and say that switches weirdly enough. Like I don't want to be playing a side scroller, then all of a sudden a a, a beat 'em up shooter game, then all of a sudden now I'm back to robot, you know, sword fighting. Yeah, but then when it's executed, it's done so well that that they, they realize like oh that changes my mind. I'm going to go run over and get a couple more here. And then I think we're going to cap it off with uh, one particular remark that I think is, of course, like we talked about, we think the catalyst of this was uh, of this discussion was it revolving around the last of us two leaks. But over on uh, Twitter, Mr. Kevin Bacon bits our patron. He says, I think it's fine to judge a game. People know what kind of games they're into. And if they feel something they've seen is or isn't for them, then that's fine. Everyone is entitled to their opinion and to feel however they want, which I agree. Mm -hmm. A lot of the times that you make a decision, definitely me on whether something I want to spend my money on something is looking at the aspects of it. Like looking at whether or not the gameplay looks like it'd be something I could get into and could enjoy and it could fail. But the only thing that we have to go off of is what we can see just shy of hopefully games that have demos. Those are the perfect examples. If you can play a demo, then you have the, closest idea without playing the full experience of whether or not you're going to enjoy the game uh, or whether or not it's for you. Some people even have a thing where the gameplay is the thing they don't like and they love everything else about the game. So they love a game, but they don't love the way it plays. Yeah. It's a weird thing. Um, Liam says it's a gray area because many factors contribute. And El Jahudi, uh, <laughs> uh, one of our patrons says, Tough question to answer. On the one hand, you need a fair assessment of the game, and that happens if people played for a significant portion of it. But at times, some games can be judged within a couple of hours of playing them. Of course, people can dislike or not be interested in a certain game, and that is fine. But judging it completely, especially from a reviewer perspective, should happen if the person played it for a significant amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the... Uh, the thing here is that one of the things we were talking about, and of course, if we didn't get to yours, we still, I read a lot of them and I actually appreciated yeah. how much people were dig digging into this. So thanks, Josh Drago, for a, a good topic that people seem to be interested in. Um, but Dark or Chalcom, our, our friend and buddy Kiki, one of our patrons, says, You can have opinions, or like me, who is still questioning how Vikings are going to fit into the Assassin's Creed universe, which has pretty much molded their ass assassins a specific way, small, nimble, able to climb everything, for every single entry in the franchise thus far. But then he goes on to say, Opinions based on leaks don't count. Um, and I think that's a pretty sticky one. That's a very sticky one for me. And I really um, do mean sticky as in I don't really know how I feel about it either way because leaks are, like I said, and again said without the context of what the leaks actually are in The Last of Us's case. So it, it is hard for me to navigate this conversation because of that. Yeah. Um, but leaks are never 
in full context. Even if a leak is about a specific part that you can at least know in full ability of what that part is, you still don't have the surrounding context of the rest of the game. Um, and that does make opinions based on those pretty hard because leaks are never 40 hour chunks of games are, it's very rare that a leak is the, is even half of an entire project. Well, and that makes it really hard to try and pull be, because of all of the elements we've talked I about. I will say in though, the case of the last of us two, I guess it depends on why you're interested in the game. Are you interested in from a story perspective? And if so, I think the leaks can tell you probably a lot about how you're going to feel about the game. But if you're interested in it from a gameplay perspective, I don't think that the leaks, you could tell me if I'm wrong. Justice. I don't think the leaks talk, talk much about gameplay. Well, I'm not going to speak that. anything about the leaks or even give any hints about anything um, in that way. But I will say that this, that this is okay. So a leak that has been confirmed and true mm -hmm. is the same as if I told you a movie plot point. Okay, so you can, I want to back up real quick just because when you say confirmed true, do you mean because of the fact that Sony and Naughty Dog, what would you even say? that they The, the fact that I saw this exact same thing happen in-game in-engine from one of the leaked cutscenes. Sure. There's no absolute way that that's old footage. The fact that they did not come out and say that, that hey guys, we apologize for what you've been seeing, but we have to say that these leaks are not true. Or that, they're that, not accurate any yes. longer. Okay, I, that's I, what I was trying to figure I out. Almost, what do you mean I can guarantee that confirmed. the thing that I don't like about the story happens <clears throat> In the game. Yeah. Now, I can tell you right here, right now, you could not change my mind that if, even if Naughty Dog does good storytelling, the way that what that has, the way that, and, and the, there is a, a completely based around conversation slash action worthy of the action that happens can still make me, I don't think that there will ever be a time that I like what happens. Okay. That's yeah. not to say that. It's a bad choice overall, or that it's that you won't like the whole game, or that I won't like the whole game. But I can tell you right here, right now, that 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 game there's gonna be a there's gonna be something that happens in it. I'm not gonna like it, and that is gonna be my opinion around it, and that will not change. I, so I do think yes, you can have opinions based on leaks. If I told you a plot point of a of a, of a movie, you could easily say I'm not gonna like that movie because that plot point's dumb. There is no, I need contextual basings around that plot point. If I can tell you a dumb enough plot point, or if I could tell you something that, that sounds to you that is just not in your alley of things, you're going to say, I'm not going to like that. So I actually have, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rebut against that a little bit. I don't think you're entirely wrong. I'm, and I'm not saying that, but at least within my personal experience, because we're doing, you know, midweek matinee, the movie podcast, um, the Belko experiment is a very interesting movie. And that is one of my big examples. And it's a running joke on the podcast now of one of the person, he didn't hate it, but he keeps bringing it up as like a really example of a bad movie, like a really bad movie um, as kind of a running joke. But it is a movie that I think if I, if someone told me everything about the movie uh, in just a really, you know, here are the exact plot points. I don't know. Or even if I saw one clip out of context of everything else, I don't think I would have watched the movie now that I've watched it. I actually really enjoy the movie and well, I yeah. even enjoy some of the plot points that I th otherwise would have thought were stupid out of the context of everything else going on. It is hard. I think mediums are so weird because there's so many things like we've been talking about games here, right? But even the way that you choose to discuss the games and what you're talking about and what you're shown and seen make it hard to completely say what's what because you're going through this situation of like a uh, a movie. Well, how's it filmed? What style is it in? Does these choices somehow fit into the style they're going in? Are they leaning and referencing something else? There's so much stuff going on that you may hate the entire story of a movie 
and love the way it was filmed and everything and be like, I came out of the movie liking the movie as an entire package, but if I could, I would love to change these two things because it would have made an even better package. So I I don't know. It's, it's, it's so weird. Leaks are a really hard thing because, well, first of all, you you just, you never know. They could be unconfirmed. Yeah, but that's I can, also true. I, I can specifically true. tell you, uh, say, and I think you you brought up that we're is you know you can almost ninety nine point nine nine percent say that the thing that you saw is going to happen in the game. Yes, unless they went ballsy and for some reason decided and to that, pull it, they're not going to do that. <laughs> and I don't it's think actually so it's actually two things, but one thing I will say has, could potentially be redeeming. Okay, so in that case. You're right. You can play the game, love the game, love the story, even by the end of it. But all. I will hate what they. But did that, with that plot decision. point could yeah. still be something that you hate. Now, I would say you can you can be ninety nine point nine nine percent sure that you're still going to hate that plot point. But I I I like to exist personally in this world of once you're doing everything and you're caught up in everything that's going on, is there that zero point zero 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 one percent that you somehow actually surprisingly end up liking this? And not, I'm not saying you not will, with the context but, of what know. I know is going to happen. Okay. Because the context of what's going to happen is stupid, in my opinion. Okay. So there, well, we'll just have to see. And you this will be a really fun conversation to have when the game releases. You could tell me, like, Naughty Dog will tell it perfectly well, and I'm still going to think that the context of what happens is stupid. It's still bad? Yeah. yeah. That's, and that's always um, a possibility. But so. I will say, like, that does not mean that the overall package and the ending, and then the other thing that I'm iffy about at the midway point of the game, is not going to be something that redeems itself. I'll say, though, that this one specific thing that happens, I am dead set that this is a dumb thing. There's just no way There's for it to... There's just no way. Like, bring itself back for yeah, you. Yeah, it reminds me of too many bad cliches, oh, but okay. yeah. All right, well, thank you guys for the community stake. That all. was a surprisingly in-depth one on our part, so uh, there you go. That's I guess that's inher- like inadvertently your main topic of the show. Yeah, we spent uh, almost an hour on that. Yeah, so anyway, uh, next up is going to be going into the news, and we're going to round the show off with that like we've been doing so the first thing that we were doing into, uh, going in the news is always the interesting game of the week um, and this time I actually chose to do it because it made me think like you know I wonder what is on there uh, one of our listeners and uh, patrons Mr. El Jabib had referenced maybe bringing the drop back in a partial form of looking at the drop and just choosing one game each that we found interesting now we've not completely landed on doing that and it's probably not going to happen because Saul's worried that it's going to be expected it'll for him just, to choose a game that he likes. I think it'll be hard for both of us every week to it, pick it a game. It very well could be. It'll just be repetitive because I feel like that not every not every week there's something in there that looks cool and the way that the drop works is that it uses the cover art and we just we just spent an hour talking about basic opinions around games and stuff like that. I'm not And it's base, really hard. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to base an opinion on a cover art of a game and then say that looks cool yeah. from reading a very short paragraph synopsis. Because I feel like that would be um, kind of unauthentic of me to be able to recommend something like that mm-hmm. or even say that looks interesting when it won't to me. So yeah. I, you'll, you'll get a lot of weeks that go by that says, I nothing looks good to it me. It comes back to Swanland's thing of like, if you can you can have an opinion if it's formed off of looking at enough information. Yeah, and that's Which my not, game of last week was from me looking at news, clicking on it, and actually reading a lot about the game. You're like, that sounds interesting. Like, yeah. It could not be. It, that, that's one of the things about this segment's going to be fun. Is like this is just a game I'm highlighting as thinking could be interesting. Doesn't mean the game will be good. Right. Uh, so this week, though, I did choose to go over to the uh, drop just to see what was on there. And the game that I already knew a lot about and just had it kind of escaped from my mind uh, is Man Eater. So if anybody remembers this, it was a game that was shown at E3 2019, if I'm not mistaken, and I think it was announced was before it really? that. 
Uh, yeah, so this is a single-player open-world action RPG where you play as a shark uh, and you grow and evolve to fight bigger and better opponents, both above water and below. So there's like some predators that you can face underwater that are other creatures that you have to kind of level up, and that's where the RPG element comes in, uh, which is really interesting for a water ba- uh, for a game that's based entirely in water, at least from what we know so far. Uh, so the the whole point the whole plot point of this game is that you are trying to get revenge on a cruel fisherman that dismembered you, um, which means that this game probably has a big hit towards some uh, activism because there's a lot of people that talk about the cruel treatment of sharks. Um, though ironically, this game is going to kind of reinforce a negative stigma that sharks have that they're super yeah. dangerous. <laughs> but I if, if they handle it well. It may work out, but I think at least to the public eye, this is kind of an odd choice. But the game looks really fun. Uh, so you go through and like humans will try and attack you and shoot you and you can get up on their boats and break their boats and eat them and stuff. And you continuously grow and level as you keep going. Uh, and I like the basic idea because to me, this sounds like something that I would have never imagined being made into a full game like this. Definitely to the degree that it's done. The game actually looks pretty good. The way I described it when they first showed that big gameplay thing is it almost looks like someone modded a shark into Grand Theft Auto's water. Like Grand Theft Auto 5's water. I don't know why that's the feeling that the 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 way they did it gave me. Maybe it's the lighting that they chose to do because Grand Theft Auto has very specific lighting on stuff like that. Yeah. But either way, it looks really cool. And it's also exciting for me because back when I actually would play phone games like during school or something just to try and make time pass, uh, real early phone day games, uh, there was a game that I can't remember the name of. Um, but it was side scroller and you'd play as a shark and you'd move through the water and you'd eat other fish and stuff and try to avoid being eaten by other big stuff. And you could eat humans and stuff as well. And you'd continuously get bigger and you just keep going through it. Kind of like a roguelite where it was changed every time and you'd go through or a roguelike rather. Uh, so the idea of bringing that up to a full game, like if this is priced right, I actually may play this. I'm not going to bother with this. <laughs> so we'll see though. Because I think if this is, and it probably is a $60 game, I don't I know if I can not. do sixty dollars. If it's forty, maybe. And if I can get it for thirty, there's a high chance I will get this and play it, uh, even if it's just for a little bit of a nostalgia play, and to see something just really different done. Uh, but go ahead, starting into the news, uh, we have the week starting off with the Summer Games Fest reveal that was it's on 40. Tuesday. Forty is not bad, no. and if it's thirty at Walmart, which is normally ten dollars cheaper, well, that's I will probably price, buy it. So yeah. Uh, Walmart's not always $10 cheaper, but okay. most of the time. Uh, anyway, we started the week off with the Summer Games Fest reveal of Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2, a remake of the first two games in the series by developer Vicarious Visions, who you may know because they handled the Crash Insane trilogy. Uh, the remake stays true to the originals, much like they did with Crash, uh, even bringing over the handling code from the original titles to make sure the games feel right to fans and confirming that the majority of the soundtrack, not quite all sadly, will be returning as well. Players can get their hands on the game on September 4th for $40. And there's one more cool thing I'd like to talk about with this uh, is that they chose to, of course, in, in one, uh, originally manualing wasn't in, uh, in the first game. Mm-hmm. Manualing was adding into the second game. Well, now all the levels in the first game still have manualing. But then also they reached into slightly later titles, which is three, and pulled Revert into this title. So... What I like is uh, one of the things they talked about with Crash of the feeling that they're trying to evoke with this is the way you remember the games. And the thing about it is like most people, even me, I had to really stop and think. And it's ironic that this ended up happening before this reveal ever happened. uh, The Monday night. So the day before this, Blake and I were talking about Tony Hawk 
and about manualing and how it was really sucked that it missed in the first game because like when you played the second one and go back it's hard mm-hmm. to feel and then we started talking about the revert being added later and if it wouldn't have been for that conversation I don't even know that I could have remembered exactly when manualing or revert was added so the goal here to put that stuff from later games back into these first two levels and setup is smart because I think most people are going to try and do the revert and not think oh it wasn't in those titles it's gonna be like no it was a Tony Hawk pro skater thing you know yeah so this looks really cool. it's a cool looking it's a cool step forward for a look back in a way yeah sure i thought that it's kind of like them making it to where you can play crash bandicoot one with an analog stick yeah you couldn't play the original crash bandicoot one with an analog stick but it felt right to when you go back because it's like you you don't think about it yeah it's like okay yeah this is how it's supposed to be uh anyway next stop on there is that the summer games fest kept it going and the next day with the reveal of unreal engine 5 on wednesday running on a tech demo designed for and playing on a ps5 dev kit titled lumen in the land of nanite the tech demo showcased unreal's new there's gonna be a little techie uh, but i do think it's really cool it's a global illumination solution um lumen that offers dynamic real-time lighting that reflects or re- reacts to movement on light sources as well as geometry changes they can cut down on time spent on lighting in games. It has bounce lighting, which means that when a source comes down, it can bounce off and hit other things, even though the light is not directly touching it, much like the real sunlight does. Now, this is a way for them to do something that gets kind of similar to what you expect to see from ray tracing without being as hard on the hardware as ray tracing. So I expect this to be a really used thing. And I, we already seen this year, this generation, a ton of people, just like in PS3 era, are using Unreal Engine. Mm-hmm. This is just going to continue doing that. Uh, the next thing up that they talked about, though, uh, is the new tech called Nanite, a micro polygon solution that streams and scales in real time so that polygon count budgets, memory budgets, and more can be avoided, and low poly models are no longer needed to be changed out on the fly as we've grown used to in gaming. So to try to make that make sense to people who will know what I'm kind of talking about, if you've ever played a game and you see a rock from a distance and it looks smooth and low textured, but then as you get closer, if you pay attention, you can see it switch to it a higher yeah. yeah and a lot of people view that as pop in a lot of times it's not some games have full pop in where there's no texture and then the texture comes but most of the time it's a low texture that takes a lot longer than intended for the high quality version to switch in yeah. and when you see it it's jarring so this would do away with that as you've seen in the game there is no notable any kind of pop in anywhere everything is higher res and you actually put it as a high res thing and it scales that as it needs to go out uh, so the engine here uh, is set to be available in preview in early 2021 and full release for people to use in late 2021 and supports both next gen machines as well as interestingly enough current gen machines so the thing about current gen machines is how is ps4 and switch and all that are they going to be able to use these two technologies at all probably not incredibly scaled back or is it just going to be that unreal engine 5 works on those consoles but you can't really use yeah that's what it is it's i mean i mean uh, you never know it could be a super scaled back version for ps4 and xbox the switch i can't see using it at all maybe so um there's a quick thing to say about this though because people get the wrong idea with tech demos every single time they Mm -hmm. happen this is not what PS5 games are going to look like at launch. No. <laughs> Just a fair warning. Um, I, I, I actually was... Uh, I, I had fun with this. I went back to the Kara demo. Yeah. Uh, for, the, for the PS4, which was early... Or, PS3. Or PS3. Kara yeah. was for PS3. Yeah, yeah. That we didn't really see until PS4. So... And that came in the form of Detroit with that technology. And uh, I will give them credit that Detroit looked a lot better than Kara by the time they hit it, which it should. Yeah. Con- but- Considering that they... they, they 
Six, seven, eight years, seven years? Uh, six years. Six years? Yeah. Because uh, it was the tech 20. demo reveal for Beyond. Yeah. Um, Two Souls. Uh, but I'm yeah, glad you brought is, that game up, though. Yeah. Because a lot of people, including me, when I was watching this, I was like, man, I know this is a tech demo. It'd be cool. This but this is can be kind of a cool game. This is going to happen with this game. I guarantee it. I really hope. Because the thing that sucks about, like, when's the last time you saw Epic, specifically, make a game besides, like, Fortnite? I mean, like, it's very... We haven't seen them do much in the actual game sphere, well, the, and they used to be known for it. You know what the, I mean? The, the same could be said for Steam uh, without uh, Half-Life Alex coming out. Yep. So, Which got really good reviews. So It did. Uh, but yeah, that's cool. And like Saul said, don't expect that day one. Yeah, but I think the best don't. way to do this is to say that this is at least something that shows the the power of the PlayStation something 5. Because clearly to. it's running in real time. Yeah. So it, it at least gives you a hint towards what you might see. Also... And I will say... You won't see Unreal Engine games looking that way at launch because this is Unreal Engine 5 and it's not released. You won't, okay, you won't see Unreal Engine 5 games looking like that at launch either. There's a, there, something else yeah, people don't take into account but, for with these is that they say, oh, well, this is a playable demo. It's a playable demo, yeah, but it's also like a, a thing you see made in dreams. That is yeah. not a full-length game. It's meant That's, to be a short experience. It's meant to be short, So and it, since it's so short, it's it could be highly more detailed than anything else. That's why I honestly think the order still holds up and looks as good as it does to today because that game is relatively short. Yeah. It is a relatively small game. Yeah, the, the um, scope being so small lets the game just really run wild with man. with its technology for a yeah. game that's five and a half years old, six and a half years old. Um, it's crazy. Um, it's absolutely nuts. Six and a half years old. I think it came out in fifteen, so it'd be five and a half. Did it come out in fifteen? I think it came out in fourteen. No, the order came out. Um, Close to Kyrie being born, so yeah, fifteen. I swear that came out in thousand. So five years technically, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, well, that that's definitely a, a thing to keep in mind is that tech demos are always. I mean, hopefully that the what what they're describing is true, and it looks like that even on full fledged games. But just it's it'll it's, just it's take it's a while to get your, there. Keeping your hype in check. Yeah, you got to keep your hype in check around this kind of stuff because I, the first thing I'm going to see. Whenever a PS5 shows um, gameplay footage, it's like, this doesn't look like Lumen's uh, stuff. And it's just like, yeah, you idiot. It's because it's a tech demo. Now, I will say this, too. Just because we're seeing that out of Unreal Engine 5 does not mean that we won't see a dedicated engine closer to launch a PlayStation that does look Like a first-party engine, similar. sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But there are going to be people who are like, who will see, like, they've already said it with Vampire Bloodlines, too. It's like, this is what you get with one engine this is what you get with another or some idiots are saying this is what you get with xbox and this is what you get with playstation yeah, well, so that's, not that, that's a multi-platform game um <laughs> but also it's just kind of, one of those things are like yeah this is this is a, a, an engine that's not even come out till late next year so have you seen the thing of going around in relation to this of people asking whether or not this tech demo could run on series x because the whole time they kept saying like it's leveraging specifically the playstation 5 and this goes back to something i was mentioning real early of the PlayStation 5 and the Series X choose to really push their power in two different ways. The PlayStation is pushing power more on the speed side. And while while the Xbox Series X is still fast, the, the PS5 is faster than you have the Series X being where the PS5 four is still i mean ps5 rather is still a really graphically impressive machine but yeah. the xbox is just that much more graphically impressive i don't know why you wouldn't be able to to uh, but either way what they were saying is like there was a thing going on of can this run and there's a number of reasons i'm sure from a marketing standpoint of playstation probably either pl paying or signing agreement when epic decided to do this but 
essentially Microsoft's not been able to confirm and nor has anybody else, but everybody's just being shy about it. But we should just go ahead and say, even if it's not going to run exactly like this, the changes that would need to be made for it to run on the Series X can be so negligible that the average person couldn't tell the difference. Well, it's yes, and this is something made for the PS5. Yes. So could it run on the Xbox if it was made on the Xbox? For the Xbox? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And even then, it's unless that's using some kind of – unless the, either one of those tech is using some kind of SSD stuff, the Xbox is – more powerful than the PS5. So theoretically, yes, it could run it on PS5. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Series X. The only things that are going to be a big burden there is if that stuff requires a speed throughput of the PlayStation 5, which we still <clears throat> we still got to wait and see how that actually ends up affecting things. Anyway, next big thing is uh, another big reveal in the news heavy week is the announcement of Mafia Trilogy with a teaser trailer. Microsoft seemed to accidentally post a store page for Mafia Definitive Edition, revealing that Mafia 1 is getting a full remake in this bundle with beautiful screenshots listed. The trilogy is getting a full reveal on May 20th. It's two days after this episode hits, uh, where we will likely see the game in action as well as information on Mafia 2's likely HD remaster. I have a feeling that Mafia 2 won't get a full remake like Mafia 1 because uh, it probably doesn't need it nearly as bad. Yeah. But, dude, the screenshots for Mafia 1, because I was like, that doesn't look like Mafia 3. The first day that this hit, I was like, are those screenshots for Mafia 1? It looks like a remake. and. Surely enough, that's what it's going to be. Uh, next thing, too, Sony finally gave Iron Man VR, their next big PSVR game in partnership with Marvel, a release date indefinitely. Uh, oh, a release date after indefinitely delaying it alongside The Last of Us Part Two. back whenever they were talking about COVID having an effect, um, which has since been given a date. So people, of course, were waiting for Iron Man. They only had to wait about a week. Uh, says Iron Man VR is going to hit July 3rd. So, man... For why? Sony, that's three games in like a one-month period that were all kind of big. Why use the word indefinitely when you're just going to announce it so quick after? Indefinitely just means that they're... I know what it means. I, I get it, but it is weird. You can just say, hey, we're delaying it, and yeah. we're going to come back with a date soon. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I don't know. Indefinitely, I wonder... Because the thing about indefinitely, too, is you think they'd want to stay away from that word because it kind of has bad negative... Like, connotations it, it sounds like, like it's it's delayed until uh, like it's delayed until it's either canceled or until we tell you otherwise <laughs> yeah. it, it makes me think of uh ubisoft and this is technically something i saw but it black or, uh, it, what's their it their skull and bones game yeah delayed that, definitely yeah right now it's not hitting the next fiscal year so we're not going to see it within the next gaming year and that thing was announced in like what 2017 yeah it's uh just, 2016 wasn't it I don't know. It was you know, it was after it was Black e Flag because yeah. it was inspired by Black Flag Assassin's Creed. But and, either way, and uh, Sea of Thieves. Sure. Uh, let's see. With a lot happening this year to disrupt the normal events we see play out, many wondered. Specifically, oh, I had an example of this where uh, Richard uh, in our Discord asked the same: If Sony's annual Days of Play sale would make a return, considering that it's usually coinciding with E3, which of course is not happening. While this is just a rumor currently, it appears that a Reddit user spotted advertising material for the event that says it will run from May 25th to June 8th, which is about the time period that you'd expect from the event normal. Uh, and one of the deals that was shown on the advertisement was 30% off of PS Plus. Again, average, but this could be really easy to fake. That's the yeah. only reason I say look at it as a rumor but i think that since summer games fest is kind of kind of coming up and taking the same mantle of e3 for this time of the year that sony's probably going to move forward with it also considering that people are at home wanting it's just a good time to get people to buy stuff by giving them incentive with sales yeah so i have a feeling that we'll still see it but we'll get real word on that it's it, hard to think about what big game will be part of it though because like 
Sony hasn't really we, had a big game in yeah. the last year. And they're not going to discount something like Last of Us uh, or Ghost because it's uh, – Well, neither of them will be June out 8th. by that yeah, point. Yeah, so. I was thinking I – was, I for some reason thought you said July 25th, and I was like, that's – that's, both of them will be out. <laughs> yeah. All right. Next thing up, a PlayStation Store currently is running the extended play sale that includes games that come packed with expansions and DLC, like gold editions of Ubisoft games, deluxe editions, and more. The sale runs through May 26th, so you have a little bit still left to go check it out. And it looks like it's active in the US and the EU, though it could be also in other territories. Um, this next one's cool. It's a free game. Telltale games are. TT Games. I don't know why I think TT and say Telltale, but TT Games, which are the developer behind all the Lego games with uh, WB, are giving players Lego the Ninjago movie video game for free until May 21st. So if you want to go check out a free game and try it, that's exactly what I did. I thought, hey, if it's free, I'll go ahead and add it to my list. I'll either play it and enjoy it, or worst case scenario, if Kyrie ends up liking and wanting to play PlayStation 4, she can play it. Whatever. It doesn't matter to me. Yeah, I'm going to take the opportunity to grab a free game and I guess I'll go ahead and say, hey, nobody from WB or TT or games are listening, but thank you. I mean, it's cool of you to do that. Uh, Sony announced its financial results for the fiscal year ending on March 31st, 2020. Uh, of course, a, a lot of Japanese companies are right now as well. Uh, first bit of info we get is an update on PS4 numbers with 13.6 million units being shipped to retailers throughout the last uh, fiscal year, putting the console's numbers up to 110.4 million units shipped. On the Nintendo side of things, just for uh, reference, they are at 55.4 million, if I remember right. Ridiculous. Yeah, so they're doing really well. Uh, overall, Sony saw a 14% year-over-year sales decrease that they attribute to the expected decrease in PS4 hardware sales, of course, as they reach the end of the generation, and software sales as well as the effect of negative foreign exchange rates, where apparently the yen was suffering some stuff, uh, and so was other d the European market as well, being so volatile that you lose money out, and that kind of sucks, but it's part of being a global company yeah <laughs> uh the decline was offset at least partially by an increase in sales for ps plus lastly we get an update on expectations for ps5 with sony still aiming for holiday 2020 released despite quote challenges in regards to part of the testing process and the qualification of production lines end quote so it sounds like they're pushing through but i don't know that's kind of weird because it's a testing process I, I wonder if that's from a quality assurance standpoint and that they're still trying to figure out how they're going to handle quality assurance or what. Yeah. Makes you wonder. <laughs> you hope that they're not making machine sending them out and without any being, QA. Yeah. That'd I be mean, illegal, right? Uh, I don't know. Cause all they'd have to do is say that they had some QA, but it doesn't mean that they'd have enough as they needed. I mean, yeah. If you think about it, the Xbox 360 clearly had QA, but it wasn't enough. I don't know though. Is that is that one of those problems that happens over time and not something detectable by QA? Uh, no, some of them are like that dead on arrival of the box. My oh, first, my first 360 at launch that my mom bought for us both was dead out of. We got it from Best Buy, plugged it in, and it was immediately like it did. It never even turned on. As soon as you hit the button, it was like red. Okay, so what is that? Oh, look, it's Christmas colors. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's see. We got a couple more things here. 
The last couple of things here are actually uh, in the first of many update blog posts for those who are interested. BioWare has shed light on Anthem Next uh, and its progress, which is their big plan to overhaul Anthem. Uh, the post details the incubation period that a small set of 30 developers is in where they are prototyping their ideas to improve the areas the team fell short of while leveraging everything about the current game that players love. Remember, the game has still been getting its updates throughout this. This is a small dedicated team within uh, the Bioware Austin that is handling this. And while the team size is small, this is apparently purposeful in an effort to be more agile than a large team could afford, where they're able to iterate on ideas and give ideas without having to worry about a ton of people coming back around. I actually think this is smart. Uh, and I think that we've seen this happen with Destiny as well, where they split their teams. And instead of having the whole studio working on one thing and having to deal with the problems that can come with that, yeah. instead they just go, listen, you're going to make this part of the game, and then for the future part of the game, we're going to have this group of people yeah. who's doing this. I think that this Live is a team smart, versus game team yeah, or whatever. smart choice. Uh, of course, but I mean, Bungie does it on a slightly bigger scale, but still, I think this is probably the right move for here. Um, the team is approaching hitting their first milestone, but the studio director reiterates that this is, quote, going to be a longer process. Uh, so kind of just keeping everybody's expectations in check. They intend to be very open with this work, uh, doing multiple updates like this, as well as letting fans in on the process and being open and honest. The goal here is to provide transparency that they are aware will not always be pretty as they experiment. Now, I like this goal because they want people to come in and see everything. And they said, sometimes that means that you'll see us spending time on things that you don't think are that important. Uh, and while we had to throw away an idea that you think was really good and that by doing this, they can get immediate feedback in a way of knowing where to shift their expectations based off of the majority of what the fandom is looking at. So this is smart. And I think that it was smart that they're doing this while still keeping a separate team updating the game. Yeah. Because as I said earlier when talking to Saul, I'm probably going to play tonight uh, with Donovan and they've been doing tons of stuff. They did Cataclysm. They did uh, Ice. I can't remember the name of it right now. Uh, but they've had multiple seasonal events going through and changing things up. Still keeping something for the people that are choosing to play. And that's kind of what you have to do. It's just part of it. It's kind of like how we saw No Man's Sky giving the little bitty updates and then finally having the one big one. Smart. It's what you got to do in these cases. Uh, next two things, and we're going to be done. Capcom, in its final in its financial results, revealed that they aim to release a number of major games before the end of the next fiscal year, planning to release 13 SKUs in total. Now, of course, keep in mind that SKUs are not indicative of individual games. This is more like uh, Resident Evil 3. Uh, it had like what three SKUs? I think it had a PC release, a PS4 release, and an Xbox release. So when you look at it that way, this could probably be what four or five big games. But still, Capcom's been killing it lately, and I think that they're doing a big thing here. Um, this makes me think that we're going to probably get. I don't know. I'm wondering if Resident Evil Eight would be part of this by the by you know April of next year. Yeah, totally possible. We'll see. Definitely since they seem to want to keep releasing Resident Evil every year for a little while. Uh, the last thing here, and I think this is a good one to talk about, is that the state of play format finally saw its return. And I think that this is probably the best use I've seen of it, where it was all about one thing. It wasn't like the last time that we saw, we saw Ghost of Tsushima as a trailer at the end of a normal state of play, where they tried showing a bunch of stuff. Yeah. This is the first time we've seen them do a state of play that was dedicated to one game. Much more akin to what you see from a lot of the Nintendo Directs that people always liken 
the state of play to. So for me, I think this was a really good choice. And it was an 18 minute deep dive that went into customization for the game, the different play styles from being a samurai to being the ghost and how that changes the way, what you're going to do introducing the guiding wind that we talked about earlier, which is a real time way for the game to give you an option of bringing up a little button prompt and letting the wind kind of blow in the direction that you're supposed to go. That way you never truly get lost. Yeah. And that's also part of their idea of keeping the HUD minimal where you're not looking at like what we've seen in other games. We have that top compass bar yeah, and it's constantly having marks. Instead, this is like, Hey, we're just telling you to go in this direction and eventually you're going to hit where you need to be. You know, it, it's smart while doing a little bit of that red dead thing where you could turn off the ability to see anything on the map or to see waypoints on the map. And instead just having people be like, Oh, well it's over by this city when you'll notice it because of the big rock South of this side. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, I don't, I like that sometimes. And I think some games, it depends on how they, handle I like the it. option to have it there. Me too. I think options are a big thing <laughs> yeah. for, for all this kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, I think what they showed off looks really good. They showed off the way that stealth works, the way combat works. Of course, this looks very much in line with what you've seen. Um, Kind of looks like a mixture of like Neo and like Horizon or something, where or even like Assassin's Creed, where it's a big open world game where you're going to go off and kind of knock off things off the map. It's not really that much of a departure from Infamous. It's just instead of it being with powers, now you're doing it with sword samurai plan. tools and yeah. stuff. Yeah. So I think it looks really good. I, I know me and you haven't talked about it much. Has this changed your opinion on the game at all? What opinion? I mean, are you? I, I, we haven't really talked about. It. Of have, course, you have. Well, I what think I'm, you have a brain aneurysm. Maybe, maybe I did, but I don't remember you ever having a like 100 percent like I'm super stoked for Ghost of Tsushima. I just always wanted to see more, and was, I, I was told, this the more that I you told needed? you the other day? I'm pretty sure this is my game of the year. Do you not remember that? Oh, you did. I, my man, bad. I, 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 I'm maybe sure I did have a brain aneurysm. Terrible. <laughs> and normally it's not. I'm, I know. Maybe, maybe something's going on here. You did tell me that. I, yeah. But yeah. we talked about something else. I in never, the same thing. So yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. I never watched it fully. Um. I got to the part where he grappled to the boat and I was kind of like, okay, I'm going to shut this off now. I don't want to see this much of it. Oh, you see enough to tell yeah, you that. I wanted yeah, this to is see what I wanted. solid gameplay on it. Cause that was always my issue with every like kind of thing that's ever come out late, re like recently was that every E3 where we haven't been getting release dates and we haven't been getting actual gameplay of things. Well, we got that one gameplay, and now that we've seen this, I do believe it was gameplay, but it, it was 100% HUDless. Yeah, we did not know that yeah. at the time. Um, well, they said it was, but you have to trust them, and that's the thing. Is yeah. like, do I trust you? Did, uh, did we just trust Microsoft on to, that? To be fair, I believed. Yeah, I believed it because they showed the Days Gone gameplay so quick, like so soon. So I was like, well, they they clearly and they showed God of War well, with gameplay well, immediately. The gameplay they showed was kind of like. It was very confined. It did not like you didn't see traversal. Yes, you didn't see it was a like very that. short. So I'm pretty vertical sure vertical slice, as they say. I'm pretty sure with everything that's come out this year that I played, uh, I'm pretty sure that would probably be my game of the year. Um, it looks like it's right up my alley. It looks like I've, it's something I've been wanting to play, and I just didn't realize it until now. And you don't uh, have a leak like The now. Last of Us. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, even then, it's just like this is a fresh new story. Hmm? We we don't know Jen. We don't know his background. We don't know anything. It's going to be something cool to deep dive into. It's going to be a refreshing cup of water, and I'm excited for it. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I, it looks really great, and I was already sold on the game because I'm a Sucker Punch fan, which actually is one of those things See, of what never, Saul was talking about. I've never there is a, a danger history with that though yeah there is a danger to just blindly trusting a company i'd say this i pre-ordered the collector's edition because i thought the game looked good from what they had shown and i do trust sucker punch um but i think where i exist on Saul scale which i think is probably kind of close to what you'd say is a good thing what i'd say is that you can trust a company until they prove you wrong but then after that they've got to rebuild that trust. exactly so it's like 
you know, I trust this game, so I was already like, I'm pre-ordering the collector's edition. I have a really strong feeling that I'm going to love it. But if I did all that and ended up not liking it, it just means the next Sucker Punch game is going to have to do a lot more to really pull me. And I don't mean just playing it and being like, oh, well, it's just okay. If I, As long as I like the game, I'm fine. Because the last Sucker Punch game you played wasn't the greatest. Yeah, actually, it, it, there was things I loved about it, but there was things I thought that they did better in previous games. But yeah. that's part of the growing pains of making a game for a new system and upping well, yourself so and much. Something, so. something else that people don't realize is it's not the same for every studio, but most of the time, or sometimes with studios, you get completely different teams with different people making the same game. Mm-hmm. Um, like The Last of Us 2's team is drastically different than what it was originally. Or well, that's a bad example because it's only partially true. But like, look at Uncharted. Yeah, Uncharted Four specifically didn't have Amy there. Yeah. Now I will say the majority of the development team for UC Four was still the development uh, team from yeah the normal Uncharted series. It's just the writer, it. but you had a big shakeup in an important segment. Yes. So yeah, uh, it does so have effects on the game. So it could always just end up being slightly different than what you expect. So I guess the last thing is just going back to what I talked about. Of I think that personally for me. This is what I want to see state of play be. I never hated any of the other ones. I don't I don't like one ofs though. Like even when Nintendo does it, I tend to skip it out. Like it well, has to be something that I'm interested in and there's a chance. Oh yeah, fair. Yeah. But I think more often with one ofs, because the thing about state of play is they were they weren't very often. But the thing is, it's like what other games are they gonna show? We don't know of anything else because there's not been any other news. Well, it could still be smaller games. I mean now one of I, I get your point though. One of yeah. for too many for too small of games. Right, is waste hard because you're gonna show too much potentially. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe I mean and it's it's hard. I don't I don't want the answer to just be that I want Sony to copy Nintendo, but at the same time the way the Nintendo do, kind of does it is like a big game of okay we're going to do a deep dive on Breath of the Wild because Breath of the Wild has plenty to show yeah. we're going to do a deep dive on probably Metroid Prime whenever they're ready or to show Xenoblade it. Chronicles or Xenoblade but then on other games like do an indie showcase where there's no big games mixed in well they do that but Sony's already kind of done that what Sony could have done is, is actually it's shake just, the formula up and do a deep do a 30 minute episode do a 17 minute deep dive into Ghost and then the rest of the 13 minutes is new reveals of indie stuff Maybe, and stuff like but that. I do feel like they've tried doing that and still didn't. They still faltered in a way where that's the, that's the reception every, wasn't that's as good as they were hoping Nothing for. they showed in those was of worth any time like Ghost is. I, I think that's hard to say because well, I mean, they, they showed what? plenty of they showed a, a rise. That game actually got really it's not well game. handled. Yeah, sure, but not AAA first party. That's yeah. what I mean. Like you're not you, like they're not hitting. So you well, hold on, I guess I'll say, what do you mean by new reveals? AAA new reveals? Yeah, like the 17, 17 minute deep dive into a AAA new sure. reveal, first party, exclusive game, uh-huh. and then followed with thirteen minutes behind. That entirety of that would not be looked down as negatively as the rest of the state of plays because each state of play has either been about VR indie titles. It's this is the new kind of state of play that we've been wanting to get. We finally got. Yeah, the they last state of play was the closest we got. Yes, where it was like some small games, a couple of bigger games, yeah. and then a big ghost reveal at the end, which right. is cool. Which was no, that but was lame. Well, okay, I should say that was incredibly yeah, lame. You're right. When you think about Here's it, there's a teaser for a trailer. Yeah, when you think about it with the actual this, trailer. See, now this is then the, that was this cool. Is but the problems that yeah. people have with these. Now you see what I mean. Yeah, they could do a deep dive first party cool game, thirteen twenty minutes long, and then do ten minutes of other small reveals, and it being and it would be redeemed or not redeemed re- uh, received pretty well. Yeah, I think always end on the high note, though, right? Or would you? I think you'd do the the small games first, and then the eighteen minute deep reveal, right? You could, yeah. I mean, I, mean, I don't way. know. I, I'm trying to think. It's of about what the would content. It's not about the retained. flow. Always, yeah. Because I mean, the flow is important, but the content is often what's talked about afterwards, not the flow. Sure, but I think I, I mean I know plenty of people who are if you were watching this eighteen minute deep dive, and then right after when it kind of crescendos, and you're like, man, that was really cool. Then they're like, also here's some other games. You'd be like, I don't, I don't care as much, <laughs> and then you turn it off. But if you do it the other way, if you build slower with interesting games. 
well, then think, finally get to the big I, I one. I think specifically around this time in everybody's lives that you would want that. You would still want to watch mm. reveals because it's been so slow. True. You don't, you don't have much going on. And then this week end, is kind of weird. At the end of five game reveals, that takes up about 13 minutes, then you throw out what the PS5 looks like and you bamboozle everybody because <laughs> they already left. So I guess that's a, the big question that to really end on here is do you think we see PS5 in a state of play now? Yeah. Yeah, I think so as well. What's the community's take? Um, what do you want the next state of play to be? Sure. That's a good one. Yeah. What What would you like to see the, out of the next state of play? And what format, potentially, too, would you like to see out of it? That's a good one. Yeah. And then hopefully we'll get some other community-based ones, because I really like that one, and it seemed to be a good thing that people resonated with without it having to have something that was a catalyst from the news. Yeah. So, so if you guys like the show, give us a like button on YouTube. There's... There's a dislike button there too, I guess. If you, uh, need if it. you do, if you do need it, um, don't forget that if you really, really do enjoy our content and you listen to us on podcast services, please give us a rating. If a podcast service you listen to has the rating feature, and uh, another big thing that everybody can do to help us out is share it with your friends. If you have friends that like gaming and uh, just something that encompasses PlayStation as well as other general uh, areas of gaming, we're the boys for that. And uh, if you want to become a Patreon and get our stuff pretty early as well as get a custom case every three months. It's $15. I should say also we're behind on that. And it's not our fault though. The world is in shambles. Yeah. I actually, I've been meaning to put out and I really need to do that. I've been talking to people individually as I can. Uh, I'm hoping to be able to get on that this week with yeah. the custom cases. We are well behind, but my ability to do that, it's shut down hampered by and, yeah. by the virus yeah so the t-virus i sadly i don't have a printer that i own that can do that it's a very expensive printer uh so i have to go to a print shop to do that and they've been closed throughout this uh, but they are open now so i'm gonna get going back to that and try and get that handled but yeah uh i guess we'll go ahead and close it off by yeah. thanking our patrons so we appreciate you guys and we'll see you next week thank you Thanks to our patrons, Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green. My name is Dan, Luke Bartolomeo, Sean Santarude, Funk Turkey, Danny Villalobos, Corey Hickerson, Blake Popst, Kevin Baconbits, Shadowist, Stephen Salazar, The Stoner, Travis Below, Eduardo Palomino, Stefan Swanlin, Constantly Kenny, Solitary Red, Chris Figs, Brian, Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Brandon Edwards, Sean One Neo, Tyler, Tyler Powers, and El Jabib. If you'd like to support the show, head over to patreon.com slash nartech. Thank you.